0: feel like the person that killed Jimmy had been trained to kill in a military style and that's how Jimmy died. With a quarter turned to his neck they snapped it. It was a short life to be killed at 33 everybody was shattered when we found out Jimmy had been killed.
1: Thirty-three-year-old Jimmy Grimes was known to his friends and family as a prankster with a great sense of humor, but behind the laughter and the jovial exterior was a serious cop. Jimmy was a dedicated police detective in Cumberland, Rhode Island, a town he grew up in and loved with all his heart. Early in the summer of 1996, Jimmy reveals to his sister that he's working on an important criminal case, something that could earn him a nice promotion, but weeks later, On August 26th, Jimmy turns up dead in an abandoned parking lot 15 miles away from his hometown. There's no blood, no bullets, and no wounds on the body. It appears Jimmy has died of natural causes. Until a medical examiner makes a shocking discovery. I'm Steve French. And this is Unsolved Mysteries, murder of an undercover cop. It's 1 a.m. in Providence, Rhode Island, as two men take a shortcut through a parking lot in the downtown area and come across a lone vehicle. Inside, they see a man obviously dead, slumped in the driver's seat with the door slightly ajar and his leg hanging out. The men immediately call police who arrive on scene and identify the victim as 33-year-old Jimmy Grimes. Within just a few hours, Jimmy's older sister, Mary Ellen Grimes, receives the devastating news.
0: I was awakened at 5.25 in the morning with a call from my father saying, Mary Ellen, how are you? (laughs) And I'm like, at 525 in the morning, what's up? Well, Jimmy was killed last night. And I said, well, did he get in a car accident? And he said, no, we're not sure what happened. The police are coming back. And I said, I'll be right there. And then everything just went into overdrive. I couldn't get to my parents' house fast enough All that I could think of was my father had to make this call to four other people. He was already numb. My mother was numb. The crime had just been committed. He had not been dead for very long.
1: The Grimes family can't imagine what could have led to Jimmy's death. They would later learn that the officers who responded to the scene reported that they found no blood or weapons nearby and Jimmy's possessions were intact, including his glasses, which were still on the dashboard. With robbery eliminated as a motive and no evidence of foul play, the prevailing theory was that 33-year-old Jimmy died of natural causes. But Jimmy was also Detective Corporal James Michael Grimes, badge number 40 with the Cumberland Police Department, which made his untimely death instantly suspicious.
0: Because of the conversations that Jimmy and I had had previously within two weeks of his death, I can believe that it could have been a targeted death.
1: Jimmy was the fifth of seven children in the Grimes family who were all born and raised in the small town of Cumberland, Rhode Island, about an hour south of Boston and just 15 miles north of Providence. Growing up, Cumberland was a small town where everyone knew everyone, the quintessential suburban life.
0: It was a very close family. We were all close in age. He was just enough younger than me that he was my baby. (laughs) And I took care of him. And we continued that friendship, caring for each other all the way up through life. I'd wait for him to get off the bus. And I was able to guide him with how to deal with your parents as a teenager. I had been there. I had done it. I looked out for him, he looked out for me, that kind of
2: stuff.
1: Jimmy loved life growing up in Cumberland. He was active in sports. He played tennis, softball, and excelled on the local swim team. Those who knew him considered Jimmy an unofficial mayor of Cumberland for how active and well-liked he was around town and because he was always looking for a way to give back to his community.
0: He wanted to help people. We're a family of helpers, there's teachers, nurses, and my father was a school principal. Jimmy always wanted to be a policeman. He was security there and did that for a long time. And then he got an appointment to go up to Maine to become a state trooper up in Maine. And he went up and he called me and said, I want to be home, I want to be a policeman in Cumberland. He wanted to come back to Cumberland to be around family and friends. And that's what he did. And in 1993, I was the one that put the badge on him. Jimmy was 30 years old when he joined Cumberland Police Department.
1: Like all rookies on the Cumberland force, Jimmy began as a patrol officer. He was ambitious and worked hard to become a model cop for his community.
0: My father would call him officer friendly. He had talked to Jimmy and said, you know, don't get yourself hurt by being overly nice to people. He loved the town. He loved the people in the town. He knew a lot of people in the town. He wanted to care for them. I was happy for him because it's what he wanted to do. And we even discussed, he said, Mary Ellen, if anything happens to me, you'll know that I was doing what I wanted to be doing. And that's how we lived with him being a policeman. That's how I talked to my kids about it. That's how we dealt with it. That's how he dealt
1: with it.
3: He always wanted to be a common cop. That's all he kind of strived for. He always wanted to stay in town.
1: Richard Quinn is a retired detective with the Cumberland Police. He and Jimmy often worked together during their years on the force. The moment he learned of his friend's death is seared into his memory.
3: It was like 5.20 or 5 o'clock in the morning. I'm going to hear a knock on the door. And it was Commander Moore in there. I thought about one of my parents or something like that. Did my parents die? One of my parents died? He came downstairs, and that's when he told me that Jimmy was dead. I was numb. I couldn't believe it. You know, it's like a punch in the stomach. I graduated from the police academy in 1991. Jimmy preceded me in the academy by three months, but Jimmy had more experience within the town. And me being from another town, I didn't really have the good geological perspective of the town. So I was teamed up with Jimmy. You get to work with somebody continuously, and you kind of form a relationship, and your days kind of line up together, so you you socialize afterwards. He was a jokester. Always kind of had a little giggle to him, and give you a hard time, and chuckle about it. But as you get to know him, you get to realize that all that giggling and behavior, he knew what was going on. He had a, a pretty good idea of what was happening in the town and around.
1: In the wake of Jimmy's mysterious death, his family and fellow police officers are desperate for answers. But because the body was found in Providence, it's the Providence Police Department that has jurisdiction over the investigation, not Cumberland, where Jimmy was employed.
0: Cumberland Police had come to my parents and told them that Jimmy had been found in a parking lot, but they didn't know how he had been killed. And then several hours later, the Providence Police came up and they were like, so did your brother have any illnesses? Was he sick? You know, has he been to the doctor lately? And I was like, no, he was fine. He was healthy. He was played softball. He did all these things. We had just had a party and it was stunning to hear these questions. One of them said to me, well, he was found in the parking lot and he was dead and Wouldn't you feel better if he had died of natural causes? And I was like, what? I said, are you telling me he died of natural causes or was he killed? We don't know.
1: The absence of evidence at the scene leads police to initially classify Jimmy's death as an accident. His family must wait until the medical examiner can determine the exact cause and manner of death.
0: So we had to wait three days which is unusual from what I'm told by the medical examiner. The funeral had been planned for Thursday. And by Wednesday afternoon, the medical examiner had not released Jimmy's body. And I was talking with the funeral director and said, listen, we're going to have this funeral, whether Jimmy makes it or not, which Jimmy would have found amusing because that's who he was. But the medical examiner would not release the body until Two other medical examiners from other states came in and verified with her how he was killed. It wasn't a health issue. He wasn't sick. It wasn't drugs. The medical examiner determined it was a homicide, and it took three days, and a lot of pressure was put on this medical examiner to say that it was a health issue. In the words of the medical examiner, Jimmy died of a quarter turn to his neck in a military style kill, somebody who had been trained to kill that way. He was killed from behind, and the person that killed him used his weight and his size, his mass against him to facilitate the killing. When we were notified by the province police at my parents' house, they asked us not to talk to anybody about Jimmy's murder. And when we found out about how Jimmy died, they absolutely told us not to mention how he was killed because only the killer would know that. They silenced us. We didn't talk to the Providence Journal. We didn't talk to newspaper reporters. We talked to nobody.
1: With Jimmy's mysterious death officially classified as a murder, his family and his friend, Detective Richard Quinn, Piece together a timeline of events that led up to the discovery of the body. The afternoon before his death, on August 25th, Jimmy attended a traditional Cumberland police social gathering. The
3: Fraternal Order of Police has a picnic down at this Lusitania club. And they get together, they have hot dogs, hamburgers, and they socialize a little bit. Jimmy went down there, and as the end of the night comes, they're getting ready to leave, and I think they were going to Gary's, which is a bar. He comes walking up to me and says, I'm going with my friend and he's giving me a ride. So then he proceeds to leave. Jimmy
0: left the Lusitania with his friend. And Jimmy said, oh, I want to take a shower because he had played softball and they had been out in the hot sun all day. So he went home, took a shower. And then instead of going to meet up with his friends, he went to the Lusitania. What caused him to go back there? I don't know.
1: During the picnic, Richard Quinn worked a security detail at a soccer game that happened to be right next to the Lusitania club where the police picnic was taking place. At 8.45 p.m., it's the end of his shift, and Richard goes into the club to find a payphone and call for his ride back to the station. Richard's not aware as he walks in that Jimmy is somewhere in the club.
3: A person that was a bartender there, he said he saw him there. He was at the Lusitania till 11 o'clock sitting there waiting for whatever reason as i walked in i didn't see him now i'm in full uniform hat all that kind of stuff you really can't miss me when i walked through he was there it's either he was in the bathroom or he didn't want any part of me that night so the area car picks me up and we're pulling out of the parking lot i see jimmy's car which is parked across from the club but it's parked on the wrong side of the road facing the wrong direction So my initial thing is, oh, good, he got a ride home.
1: But Jimmy did not go home. Instead, according to the Providence police, Jimmy received a message to his pager and proceeded to make a phone call from a payphone in the Lusitania.
0: While he was in the building where the picnic was, he made a call, and the Providence police told us that he called the Y, where a lot of the drug people lived, or stayed at night, and he went there, and we imagine that he picked somebody up there and went to this parking lot.
1: Mary Ellen is convinced her brother's murder has to be connected to his police work. Jimmy was only on the Cumberland Police Force for three years before his death. He rose quickly through the ranks, and after about a year of patrol work, joined the detective division, where he was able to apply his deep knowledge of the Cumberland area. He
3: enjoyed detective work. He enjoyed that aspect of it. We're a small town, so in the detective division, you just get incorporated with evidence. It wasn't just one specific thing or one specific crime. It's whatever came across their desk or came to contact with, they kind of followed up on. So it was a broad scope, and it wasn't a high crime area, but it was a steady flow influx of criminal behavior that needed to be addressed.
4: Hey, Unsolved Mysteries listeners. I'm here to tell you that there's no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com, then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. There's a lot of pressure around gifting. I usually have a hard time thinking of gift ideas for family members and sometimes I get super stressed trying to find the perfect thing. But now with Gift Mode on Etsy, I can search hundreds of gifting personas and find so many incredible items. And I actually just found the perfect gift for my fitness fanatic sister. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a housewarming gift for the new homeowner or a birthday present for the pickleballer, Gift Mode has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. Shopping can be a lot of fun, right? but you know what else is fun? Saving money. And Rakuten is the smartest way to save money when you shop. Get cash back at over 3,500 stores across every single category, including fashion, beauty, electronics, home essentials, travel, dining, and so much more. You're already shopping at your favorite stores, so why not be saving while you're doing it? It's a no brainer. Shop brands like Macy's, Blue Mercury, Petco, Nike, Urban Outfitters, Neiman Marcus, and so much more. Here's how it works. The stores pay Rakuten a commission for sending them shoppers. And Rakuten shares the commission with its members. You get paid via check or PayPal quarterly. Maximize your savings by stacking cash back on top of other deals like store sales and coupons. Rakuten has 17 million members who are already saving. Why not join them? Membership is free and it's easy to sign up. Cashback rates change daily. Start all your shopping at Rakuten.com or get the Rakuten app and start saving today. Your cash back really adds up with Rakuten. R A K U T E N. Jimmy's dedication eventually led him to help
1: with investigations in other jurisdictions outside Cumberland and into more complex and dangerous types of crime.
0: My understanding was that Jimmy was working undercover for Providence at some portions of his career. Jimmy was somebody who worked on a case on his own. He did not share information with people around him. And when they were resolved, he moved on to the next thing. But when he did share with me that he was working in Providence, in Central Falls, and in Pawtucket, which are more inner cities, and I know he was doing drug-related crime, so that made me nervous. His partner talked about One time he was on the streets of Central Falls and he was doing a drug transaction with a pretty big guy in the drug world. And the guy accused him of being a cop. And he said, Jimmy transferred into an actor and blew the guy off the sidewalk. Couldn't believe that you would call him a cop, he's not a cop, and he went crazy. And his partner was watching this from the patrol car. He said he was remarkable and the guy actually made the purchase with him and they were able to get him. So that was the kind of stuff Jimmy did. He's the kind of guy that would do what it takes to get a job done and do the right thing. Some people are afraid to do the right thing. Jimmy would have stood up and Jimmy did stand up to people.
1: Many colleagues on the force recall Jimmy would often drop hints about a big case he was working on, But he'd never offer up any details, and most assumed this was just another part of his joking nature. But comments he made in the summer of 1996 seemed to take on a darker and more ominous tone, giving friends and family an uneasy feeling about where his work seemed to be taking him.
3: He said, there's a bounty out on a Cumberland cop, and I'm afraid. I said, Jimmy, anytime you want to stay at my house, you can stay at my house if you're that afraid of it. But after that statement, there wasn't anything more. At that time, going back, you don't know how to take that.
0: Weeks before his murder, he had said to me that he was working on a big case. And if it got solved, there would be a lot of people to go down and that he would probably get stripes. He wanted to stay out of the apartment. He did not feel safe in his own home at that time. I know he slept with a knife under his mattress. So I knew something was up. Being the sister, I said, so what is it? And he said, I can't tell you because I don't want to put you in danger. So did I think somebody was trying to kill him? Not when he said that, but obviously somebody was out to get him. I still don't know what it was. And I think he protected everybody that way, not just me.
1: If it was one of his secret investigations that got Jimmy killed, it was likely not from his work in Cumberland. Since his body was discovered in Providence, all signs point toward that department.
0: I knew he was working with Providence undercover because we had talked about it. And he told me that he had been in to Providence the week before he was killed. And when they came to the house, I asked them, has Jimmy been in to the police station, your police station? Has he worked with you guys? No, no, no. For two days, we heard the answer, no. And then on the third day, they came back and said, oh yeah, Jimmy was there. But when was the most recent time that he was there? The Thursday before he was murdered.
1: Although the Cumberland police are not in charge of the investigation into Jimmy's murder, they've been committed to solving it from the beginning. They set up a tip line and passed along leads they received to the Providence detectives who are responsible for finding the killer. I think they have been leads, it's just they're not able to get that final
3: piece to put it together, that one person to say something. I'm surprised that no one's come forward with information about another person that really locks in it. There hasn't been a person of interest that's repeatedly come up as being involved with this. That information's been passed along to Providence and what I know is they interviewed the person and no charges have been brought against this person or anything in regards to this case. He's not law enforcement. He was from the town of Cumberland. I don't know if he hated Jimmy or didn't like Jimmy or had a problem with Jimmy prior to that or there was an issue that this person had with Jimmy. I don't know. You're a police officer. Some people are going to like you. Some people aren't going to like you. He never said there was a specific person out for him or anything that I knew of.
1: As the investigation drags on, the Providence police remain tight-lipped about their progress, Rumors fly about who's behind Jimmy's murder, and Mary Ellen learns that one of the tips points to someone in the Providence Police Department.
0: I was sitting in a parking lot with a lawyer friend, and cops were in and out of this parking lot. We were just chatting, and he had gone into the store, and he came out with one of the cops. And this cop came over to the car, and he said, Mary Ellen, you gotta let this go. You're never going to know who did this. They don't want to let it out. Everybody knows it was a Providence cop. There was a call that came in to the station, to Cumberland, that said, if you want to know who killed Jimmy Grimes, look to the Providence police. That was two weeks after Jimmy was killed.
1: Years stretch into decades, Throughout his time on the force, Richard Quinn continues to pass along any information he can, often spending nights poring through Jimmy's case files looking for potential leads. In 2011, Richard leaves the Cumberland police, but he doesn't stop looking for clues to Jimmy's death.
3: The one thing I wanted to do was solve his case. Even after I left, anything that I could get, I would pass along to Providence or whomever, just to resolve this case, to give closure for the family. and. The, the death of my friend. As time goes by, people, you know, these, these cold cases just kind of fade off into the sunset. And I'm not going to let my friend fade off into the sunset.
2: Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master new skill.
1: Unbeknownst to Jimmy's family and friends, the Providence police had uncovered security camera footage of the parking lot where Jimmy was killed. It's not until February 2021, nearly 25 years after the murder, that the footage is finally shown to the family and the public at large.
0: Jimmy had pulled into a parking lot and he backed into a spot, so his headlights at facing out so he can see what's coming at him, and behind him is a brick wall. And the alleyway was known for drugs. There's a person in the back of the car that we believe he picked up from the YMCA, and that person left the car alive, and my brother did not. That person was on the passenger's side, rear. And you see the car door open, and he gets out and casually walks away with what looks like a sweater tied around his waist, like a sweatshirt. While my brother, you see he's in the driver's seat. You see the door open and his leg come out, and that's it. And that was when he was being killed. That's what I deciphered when I saw this very snowy picture The police said there were no fingerprints. He was using a Cumberland detective's car, so a lot of people were in and out of it. I don't know how the person got in and out of the car without touching the doorknobs. How do you get out of the car without touching them?
1: The surveillance footage only deepens the mystery into Jimmy's murder.
3: Why is he in Providence? Why is he by himself? Why is he in a car with somebody else? The car that he has is backed in, and it's backed in for a reason. He's got the high beams on, and he didn't have a front plate on, so is he hiding his back plate to hide his car? Or is he waiting for someone, looking for someone, or making sure no one approaches him? That's the reason why I would believe that the car's backed in like that. And there was no other vehicles in the parking lot. I don't know if it was an informant. The only things I know is that what I know of Jimmy is that something brought him down there, And
1: it was important for him to be there. Also in February of 2021, the family learns that the active investigation into Jimmy's murder is not only ongoing, but new evidence may be about to surface in the case. The Providence police confirm that DNA was submitted to the lab in 2020, but the results of testing haven't been revealed, leaving Jimmy's family with hope, but no closure.
0: What we have garnered from the Providence Police over 26 years is that Jimmy's case remains open, so we cannot get any information from them because it's an open case. And we can't get information from the medical examiner's office because it's an open case. And murders are open forever. Murder kills more than the victim. really traumatized my parents they were never the same after that and selfishly being the mother of four young boys that were very close to their uncle I know psychologically they have to bring this with them through every phase of life and I want that to stop I just became a grandmother a nana and I don't want this baby girl to have to deal with this I want it to be solved, I want it to be over. Nothing's gonna bring Jimmy back. Nothing's gonna bring my parents back to what they were before he was murdered. He was a good guy and we all loved him. And he deserves to have justice prevail. He sought justice for everybody. That's why he went into the job to take care of people
1: If you have any information about the murder of Jimmy Grimes, please contact the Cumberland Police Department at 401-333-2222, or go to unsolved.com. Next, on Unsolved Mysteries.
0: Amber had had a fender bender on her way to school, and she had hit her head on the steering wheel, and nobody heard from her. We thought maybe that she was delirious, you know, lost some memory or something. But then when they weren't able to find her car, then I just had a bad feeling that something bad had happened to her. I don't think any of us
2: ever imagined it going on this long and never thought we'd never find her.
1: Unsolved Mysteries is a production of Cosgrove Mirror Productions and Cadence 13, an Odyssey company. It is executive produced by Terry dunn and Chris Corcoran. Produced by Christine Lenick, Courtney Ennis, Bill Schultz, and Paul Yates. The story producer for this episode was Joanna Brooks, and it was edited by Ryan Dan. From Cadence 13, editing, mixing, and mastering by Chris Basil and Andy Jaskowitz. Production support by Sean Cherry, Ian Mont, and Ava Fenneberger. Artwork and design is by Kirk Courtney. Publicity by Maura Curran, Josephina Francis, and Hilary Shuff. The original theme music was composed by Gary Malkin and Michael Boyd. Thanks for listening to Episode 60 of Unsolved Mysteries.